It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by the brilliant Costas Llanos. Costa, first of all, how are you feeling after last night, my friend? My commiserations, uh, because <laughs> I, I have to pass over my commiserations, not because I'm I, I'm not going to lie. I'm obviously delighted that Arsenal are through. But I thought that Olympiacos, and we'll just quickly touch on that before we come on to the draw. I thought Olympiacos gave a really good account of themselves yesterday. Tried very hard, performed very well on the night, but unfortunately it just wasn't enough. The damage was already done. What did you make of it? Hello, Harry. Hello to your wonderful audience. Uh, well, I was quite surprised um, with Arsenal. Last night, I was uh, invited to a radio station called Real FM last night. And I would tell them that I am very surprised because Mikel Arteta kept going on before the match how the tie is not over and how Olympiacos are very dangerous, especially when it comes to the last few minutes of the game, just like they did with Aris and PSV. And I expected him to go for the jugular with this lineup. I expected him to go with a strong lineup with maybe two changes, like Pablo Marin for Gabriel and Pepe on for William. But instead, it was quite... The lineup was quite shocking, and it seemed to me like there's a manager who's comfortable with the tie and is thinking about West Ham right now. Olympiacos went tooth and nail for this, 3-4-3, three, three, uh, 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 a system we, ha we haven't really seen throughout this season, but did really well. I like the way they, um, they, they, they had three players on each Arsenal player when they had the ball on. I like the, um, the help Fortunis was giving on each uh, flank when uh, the ball was, uh, we, we took the ball on the flank. It was that, as I told you um, on WhatsApp, it was that shot by El Arabi in the first half that really did it for me. If that had gone through and VAR hadn't overruled it, then Olympiacos would have been on, then the tie would have uh, uh, taken a dramatic turn, like we said. I feel like Olympiacos went out like champions. I feel like they went out with, uh, with their head held high. I am so glad the vendetta is still going on. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, Olympiacos have beaten Arsenal at the Emirates more times than Tottenham. Wow, that's a great fact. And I'm going to use that to poke fun at the Tottenham supporters because Tottenham, of course, crashed out of the Europa League last night in dramatic fashion, going down by three goals to Dinamo Zagreb. Now, that was a tie that I thought was done and dusted and completely over. So a big shock there as well. But that's a fantastic stat. And I look very uh, forward to using that one. And I certainly will. Uh, to, uh, uh, also, if I make a little, um, if I make a little uh, request to, the, um, to your lovely audience, if they could t tell us on the comment section, if they could find a nice name for our rivalry, for the Olympiacos and Arsenal rivalry, a nice name for the rivalry. We got the El Clasico, Manchester Derby, North, Dar North London Derby, the Old Firm Derby. We need a name for this. 12 matches, six, six wins apiece. This needs a name. 
Yep. Good shout. Get in the chat. Get involved. What are we going to name the rivalry between Arsenal and Olympiagos? I, I'm not going to go too deep into Arsenal's performance because we we discussed it on the last show. We talked about it in detail and the fact that perhaps Mikel Arteta just maybe made a few too many changes and disrupted the fluency uh, of the Arsenal side. You you touched on it as well, Gosta. That you know it, it seemed as though he was quite uh, quite happy. Uh, with the position that Arsenal were in and maybe took it a little bit for granted in making the changes that he did. I don't know. Uh, but Arsenal are through, uh, fortunately for us. Um, and we've, of course, been drawn today to face Slavia Prague uh, in the next round of the competition. Now, Slavia Prague have pulled off some brilliant results in the Europa League so far. They've not only dumped out Leicester, but they've dumped out the Scottish champions, Glasgow Rangers, last night. Now, that game was... You know, it was a really good performance from Slavia, but that game has been masked now with controversy because there was a an alleged uh, incident where a, a Slavia Prague player racially abused at Glenn Camera of Rangers. And then we've heard from Slavia Prague that there was an incident in the tunnel after the game whereby Camera went and, uh, and in their words, assaulted uh, the player that was uh, alleged to have made that racial remark. So, Lots going on behind the scenes. I'm not expecting Slavia Prague to be kicked out of the tournament, but and I'm not for a minute condoning what went on there. But what I will say is, we shouldn't. Prob- we should probably not allow this to distract us from the fact that they have been a very good side in this competition so far this season. What have you made of them, Costa? Uh, quite surprising side. I completely agree with everything you just said about the alleged uh, racist incident. I do not condone it, and I feel like UEFA and FIFA, for that matter, need to get need to uh, become a lot more strict when it comes to that uh, to that kind of attitude. Uh, racism doesn't belong anywhere in the society, and it's time that uh, we wipe it out completely. There's never an excuse, never an excuse. Uh, when it comes to the game that's uh, coming uh, that's coming up, I also don't expect Slavia to be kicked out in any way, shape, or form. When it comes to their performances in the Europa League, well. One thing the Arsenal fans need to know is that they they are going to focus completely on the next two matches as they are top of the Fortuna Liga in, in the Czech Republic by 14 points ahead of rivals Sparta Prague. So that's done. The, 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 the championship is basically done and dusted. Um, uh, there, there are a few players that they need to look out for. One of them is Nico Stanciu, who's the fourth top scorer with nine goals in 22 matches in the league. And as well, Jan Kuchta, and Abdallah Sima, who are the joint top scorers of the league with 11 goals in 17 matches. Uh, Sima is a player that Arsenal need to look out for completely because, as you know, uh, they've been uh, linked with uh, who people call the Senegalese Henri with four, with four goals in 10 matches. Uh, they're a very impressive side. Uh, as you said it yourself, they eliminated Leicester, they eliminated uh, Rangers, uh, and... Uh, and uh, also, they have scored 16 goals and conceded 11 in 10 matches. Now, one would think that 11 goals conceded, that's a lot. But they've really improved in clean sheets. As 10 of those goals they conceded, they conceded them in, on the group stage. Wow. So they've certainly made an improvement there. And what that suggests to me, uh, what those statistics suggest to me, is that actually Slavia Prague, have, when they've gone away from home, they've... Uh, Sorry, when they've played the home legs, they've prioritised not conceding, right? They didn't concede 
against Leicester in Prague in the first leg. And they only conceded one at home to Rangers. But they're banking on the fact that they do believe and they feel as though they can go away from home and score goals. Uh, so they're very much prioritising, as most teams do, you know, not conceding at home and then maybe being a little bit more expansive in the away leg. And you saw that uh, work to good effect. You mentioned Nikolai Stanchu. What a free kick that was last night. Um, absolutely sensational um, goal from him. And, and he is probably my favourite Slavia Prague player. He might not be mm. uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, but right now, uh, he's the player that I look at and I, I probably fear the most. Uh, before we continue the discussion on the draw, let's just go over to the live chat because we've had some suggestions uh, for nice. our for our derby name so um let's uh, let's pick out some of these and keep them coming we'll keep taking pauses uh during the show to, to bring you these so michael grayson says the arciagos rivalry that's not bad okay yeah not yeah bad. i'll take it not bad uh, nana says el arabi versus the emirates okay yeah not bad not bad um <laughs> yeah Marble Horse TV says Ospina bottle job slash El Arabi goals derby. <laughs> uh, Renat's kept it simple with the red and white derby. Yeah, um, it's our colors. Or both of us. I mean, you don't have true. much white, though, do you? We've it's got white red. shorts, white socks. Well, yeah, 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 true, and, yeah, and the sleeves, I guess. Uh, bad Boy says guns versus gods. Not bad. Oh, nice. Um, Dominic Roach must have grown up in North London because he's called it the Green Lanes Derby, which I love. Um, I love, absolutely love that. Uh, let's see if we've got any more uh, of these. Uh, Shimos says uh, the El Arciagos Clasico, not bad. Oh, oh, oh. He went a little farther there, didn't he? Yeah, bringing, nice a, bit one, of, bringing a bit of uh, La Liga into there. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Tesh says Titans versus the Greek gods. Nick Dews also backs up the Gunners versus God's shout. Uh, we've yeah. got the Greek drama derby. Um, nice. Thankfully, it didn't turn into a Greek tragedy for us last night. Well. Um, not like <laughs> last time around. Uh, what else have we got? We've got a few in here. Uh, I like this one from, from Rahil. S.L. <laughs> Sogradiso. I like that one. And uh, the, the Papa Classico as well. <laughs> Sticking to that the is brilliant, brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff, guys. Keep them coming, keep them coming. Yeah. We're loving this. Keep them coming, and we'll we'll come back to those a little bit later on. And don't you know if you've got questions as well in the live chat, we will be giving you an opportunity to put those questions to us a little bit later on in the program. So bear with us a little bit. We're just going to finish off discussing the draw and, and and kind of our feelings about it. And I guess my overriding feeling um, off the back of this draw is one of it could have been worse. I certainly didn't want to face Manchester United over two legs. I talked about that uh, on the last show. I prefer probably to play them in a one-off game. So I didn't want to face them. And I guess Roma and Ajax, at least on paper, at least historically, are probably the two sides that you'd want to avoid as well. Me personally, I really didn't want to play Unai Emery's Villarreal as well. Mm. That was another one uh, that I was keen for Arsenal to avoid. So it's not the easiest draw. In my opinion, I would have preferred Granada, for example. But I guess the, the, the positive to, to not drawing Granada is that we've ended up now on the better side of the draw because we will face either Dynamo Zagreb uh, or Villarreal in the next round rather than one of Roma or Ajax. So do you think that things have kind of opened up now, Gustav, for Arsenal to, to go on and win this competition? Is this a good opportunity for the Gunners to really make a, a push for it and hopefully salvage 
what's been a, a, a very average season, maybe below average, in fact, uh, with a bit of silverware at the end of it. Well, hopefully. I mean, uh, I'm, as I said, I have great respect for Miguel Arteta and the idea alone that he could win a third trophy in one and a half years in charge of Arsenal, despite all the all the issues, that would be phenomenal. Uh, but when it comes to the Europa League and the opponents, we, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. There's no such thing as an easy opponent at this stage. I guess they could have had a, 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 an opponent that's less difficult in Granada. And I'm saying this because of what I've been seeing from them these um, ever since competition started. Uh, with the exception of Napoli, they haven't really been tested. I saw them against Pauk and I saw them against PSV. But Pauk and PSV are two teams I've gotten to know a lot this season because Olympiacos have played them. And they played them rather easily. Uh, they've scored a total of four goals against Pauk in two games this season, haven't lost to them. And they scored five goals across two games against Eindhoven. So they weren't... They are, they are strong clubs, but not exactly the cream of the crop. So Granada haven't really been tested, in my opinion, so far. But it's very dangerous with those Spanish teams, Roma and Ajax, because they want to punch that ticket for the Champions League. They don't want to have to fight in the league or fight in the uh, qualifiers next season. So yeah. there's no such thing as an easy opponent. Uh, when it comes to Slavia Prague, though, you're facing a team that is doing exceptionally well in a knockout stage. They know exactly how to play this. Uh, they got an amazing uh, trio up front, which is uh, which consisted of Abdallah Sima. Uh, there's Jan Kuchta. There's Peter Olainka. They got uh, they got Stanchu uh, behind them, helping them when he moves forward. Uh, and honestly, I feel like this is going to be a very interesting game because Sima could be uh, very um, heavily linked with Arsenal uh, in this coming summer. He's also been linked with West Ham and Juventus, and he has a great story as well. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's an amazing story of how he broke into the scene. No, I haven't. Feel free to share. Well, I mean, uh, basically, I got bits and bobs of this. Uh, he's 19 years old, and he broke into the scene at Slavia Prague almost by mistake because of a, because of a, a raft of injuries and coronavirus cases. And uh, he has been on fire ever since uh, coming in, as he has scored a, a total of 19 goals in 33 matches across all competitions, and he has six assists. So he's been part of 25 goals in 33 games across all competitions. Major, uh, major, major uh, danger for Arsenal right now. And he's no stranger to big games, as he scored a double against Sparta Prague. He scored one against Leicester. Uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. And they call him the uh, the Senegalese Henri because, well, he can play on both wings up front and as a centre forward. He prefers to play as a centre forward, but they put him as a right winger and because of the way he cuts into the box from the right. That's why they brought the whole Henri uh, comparisons to him. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I, I haven't seen enough of him, um, if I'm honest, to, uh, to make uh, a sort of informed, uh, you know, what... You know, judgment on the player. I've obviously seen highlights of Slavia Prague in the Europa League this season. I caught the second half of their game against Leicester, the second leg, the decisive leg in the end. Um, so I've been impressed with a lot of their players and most of which you've mentioned. So I, I certainly understand and acknowledge that this is not going to be the walk in the park that maybe some Arsenal fans feel it will be. And, and you know, you look at somebody like Olympiagos, for example, who obviously we'd been burnt by last season and we, we learned our lessons, but even last night when Arsenal fans in general probably felt that it was a bit of a done deal, there were signs that, you know, if Arsenal were not at the races, 
they can be punished by these types of teams, you know, and it could have been very different. You mentioned the El Arabi goal, uh, the El Arabi chance, I should say, uh, earlier on. And, and I personally thought at the time that it was slightly offside, but if it, you know, I can't be sure. And so has, if that goes in, things could be very different and it could spark the comeback. And sometimes that chain reaction, once it begins, you can't always prevent it. So as you've mentioned so rightfully, there are no easy ties uh, in this uh, Europa League draw. Exactly. I guess the fact that we're on a side of the draw that at least on paper looks a little bit better is something we can take encouragement from, but it doesn't give any guarantees whatsoever. Um, just a quick reminder before we move on, because uh, we have had our sponsorship renewed uh, with manscaped.com. So if your, uh, your nether regions are in need of some tender loving care, if you want your pitch to be as uh, sharp as trim, hopefully not as green, though, as the Emirates Stadium, then head over to manscaped.com. They're kindly sponsoring the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Enter our discount code, which is 90min20, 90min20, and you will get 20% off of your order as well as free worldwide shipping. So head over there and check that out if that is something uh, that you are interested in. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit the like button. Let's check in uh, where we are at the moment in terms of likes. There are over 200 of you watching us across the platforms right now, but we've only got 36 likes. So let's get that up to 100 sooner rather than later. Let's go back over uh, to the live uh, to the live comments and see uh, what people are saying. Um, Chris Pantelli is, uh, prevent is, is predicting an Arsenal-Man United final. Um, is that what you probably feel might happen, Gosta, looking at the, the way the draws panned out now? Are, are Manchester United and Arsenal up there as your favourites for the competition? How do you see it? Absolutely, absolutely. I, th I feel like there's a great chance of this happening. Arsenal only experienced their first defeat in, what is it, uh, 10 matches in the Europa League last night to Olympiacos. Manchester United, according to many, many uh, pundits and sports journalists, they are the absolute favourite to win it. Uh, it could definitely happen, but I'm telling you, I'll, I'll tell you what, if uh, if if Arsenal underestimates Slavia Prague like they did Olympiacos last night, then we will we, we could definitely be in for another shocker. Rangers have been scoring like crazy this season and they barely concede and they're still out. Leicester are higher up than Arsenal and they still got eliminated by that team. You cannot give them an inch on that pitch. You cannot give them an inch. Agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, Thomas, one of our members, he says, hey, Harry, best draw we could have had. Now it's up to Arteta and which lineup he chooses that day. Uh, Thomas is is very vocal about this all the time. He wants the Kronkies out. He wants Vinay out. He wants Edu out. But he's changed his tune on Arteta. If oh. Mikel Arteta wins uh, the tournament, he, were, he would like to keep him uh, there. Uh, Thomas says, uh, it, by beating Emery, Arteta could finally finish the discussion around whether he's a better manager than Unai. The same in the final uh, versus United and Oli. Let's do this. I guess for me, with the um, with the Unai Emery discussion, I, I didn't want Unai Emery at Arsenal. I didn't feel he was the right man. I was quite vocal about that. Mm. I took a lot of criticism for that at the time. I think in hindsight, I was proved right. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Unai Emery is a good football manager, right? He just wasn't the right fit for Arsenal. Arsenal needed a longer-term rebuild. Arsenal needed stability, someone who was going to look to, uh, you know, building for the future when they took over from Arsene Wenger. It either had to be someone who was so good and so top and so experienced that they were going to come in and just 
take on from where Arsene Wenger had left off and just give us that little nudge up that we needed when Wenger uh, left or it was going to be someone who was coming in for the long term. And I thought that Unai Emery was in between that and neither of those two options. Um, but, I, you know, Unai Emery, if he does face us in the semi-finals, if Villarreal progress and Arsenal progress, he will be, Gosta, won't he, so motivated to get one over the club that sacked him not too long ago. I mean, I, I suppose Unai Emery is one of the nicest managers out there, but I have an opinion. I have this feeling that yeah, he does, he has something to, to 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 prove. He would love to have Arsenal in the semi-finals. I agree with what you said. It was all about how he managed things at Arsenal, not just only on the pitch, but also outside of it. It was the way he chose the captain. He had the players choose them. Then they, when they chose the captain, he um, he, he he ruled them out. Uh, there's also that incident we spoke about last year on the plane where that, that's according to reports that the players were making fun of his accent, which that doesn't really inspire confidence or that he he's running things or that, that he runs things. That he just means he boss. hasn't got respect, doesn't it? It just yes. means there's no respect. and There's not enough respect, let's say, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. I, I'm a big fan of Emery I, as a person and as a manager. I like what he's doing at Villarreal. Uh, if you ask me, I if Arsenal had gone through against Olympiacos, which they did, I'm quite of a romantic. So I wanted Arsenal to get Villarreal in the quarterfinals because they already exercised one demon. Now it's time for another demon to exercise. Then Tottenham in the semifinals, another demon. <laughs> and then Man United in the final, the old demon back in the days when Arsenal and United were fighting for the title. That would have been... The, the most stressful European campaign I think that you could ever get uh, as an Arsenal fan. That would have been certainly very, very tough. But uh, I get what you're saying. And obviously, um, it would have made great viewing for those uh, in a neutral position. Uh, let's say a big hello to uh, Mate joining us from the Czech Republic. Oh, there we go. Um, let us know. Are you a Slavia Prague fan? What can you tell us about them? Give us some inside information on Arsenal's uh, quarterfinal uh, opponents. Um, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and I want to get um, your thoughts on this because there's been a lot of reaction uh, to his performance last night. Missed a host of opportunities but aside from that his attitude just doesn't look quite right at the moment and we talked in the build-up to this game about everything that had gone on behind the scenes, the fact that he was late to the North London derby. It looked to me as though he was um, he was uh, a little bit frustrated last night um, probably with himself as much as anybody else, because as I said, I thought he missed a, a couple of really good chances to score and ultimately not put the tie to bed, but at least then Olympiagos' confidence just a little bit. Um, and he didn't take those opportunities, but he could be seen having a couple of angry exchanges with some of his teammates on the pitch last night. And I just wonder if what happened at the weekend has led to some of his teammates maybe losing some respect for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and being a little bit pissed off with him and that ultimately boiling over on the pitch last night. How do you see this situation from an outside perspective? Would you be worried about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and his future uh, off the back of what's happened over the last five, six days? I don't think I'd be too worried. I'd just be interested to see how uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and any other player would have bounced back from uh, that from those difficult few days. Uh, we've spoken about the North London Derby and what happened there. Uh, I agree with you. That photograph needs to be taken to the British Museum. I think it's incredible that Ferrari just stranded in, in the <laughs> middle of traffic. Uh, but 
I agree with you that the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang could have done better last night. He missed three major chances to not only put Arsenal ahead, but also put the tie to bed. I was surprised because Aubameyang was going on about how last year's miss at the last second of extra time haunted him. I expected the player of his caliber to uh, to do his, his damn best to exercise that demon himself and write a little story for himself. That didn't happen. But, but but then again, a player always has the right to um, to have a bad night. They have the right to be a little more frustrated. Uh, Mohamed El Neni uh, touched on the Obama Young incident, and he said that everything is everything is fine between the players. Everybody respects him. Everybody admires him. Everybody likes him. There was a nice little um, uh, scene at the end when Papastathopoulos went to uh, meet his former teammates. One of them was Obama Young, and they all got together. They smiled. They cracked a few jokes. Arteta insists the uh, the uh, the incident is done and dusted. Uh, he's very glad with the way Obama Young reacted, which he said was really positive. So let's see how let's see what happens in the next few matches. Let's see how he bounces back. That's what I would be more interested to uh, to find out. Yeah, and just touching on the Obama Young thing, and I've written a piece on it today, which will be out on 90min.com uh, at some point today. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but what I spoke about was. The fact that it's not just the attitude thing. It's not just the the, the disciplinary issues um, that have, you know, that have led to people maybe asking questions now about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. It's the fact that he's not scoring as regularly as he once was. He's missing opportunities that in years gone by he would never have missed. Um, he's not participating in the press that Mikel Arteta wants his front line uh, to do. And and I think that is probably the biggest annoyance as an Arsenal fan. When you see everybody else pressing, we all know that for pressing to work, it has to be done in unison. You have to do it as a group. And at times he hasn't been willing to do that. And and I guess at a time where Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was, was scoring goals for fun, had a big smile on his face, um, you could forgive him for that. But when he's not scoring the goals as regularly as he should be, and that's not to say he's been completely disastrous this season. He's still got 14 goals in 30 games. But it's not the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that we're used to. And I think when the application is not there, i.e. the lack of pressing and maybe a lack of desire to do that, I think that's why people are getting a little bit frustrated uh, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And I want to see a response from him uh, in the coming weeks. But... Get your questions into the live chat and we'll come to as many of those as we possibly can between now and the end of the stream. We want to hear from you guys. What did you make of the draw? Are you pleased? Just a quick recap. Arsenal will face Slavia Prague in the uh, last day of the UEFA Europa League. The first leg will take place at the Emirates Stadium. Um, Manchester United will face Granada. Dinamo Zagreb face Villarreal and Ajax face Roma. If Arsenal do progress uh, to the last four, they will face the winner of Dinamo Zagreb and Villarreal. So a potential uh, meeting with Unai Emery at the semi-final stage is a possibility. Um, although there are no guarantees, of course, there's a lot of football uh, to be played in between there. There's a few people in the chat uh, suggesting, Gosta, that Slavia Prague are much stronger than Olympiagos. Um, I know you're an Olympiagos fan, but would you mm. buy into that? Would you feel like Arsenal should be have to be even more on guard against Slavia Prague than perhaps they were against Olympiagos? Well, they've done better than Olympiagos. That's 
that's for sure. And right now they're doing really well in the league as well. They got some really good players. I mean, we've spoken about Abdallah Sima. We've spoken about Nico Stanchu. They have, they carry some really heavy scalps with them right now. Rangers and Leicester, we've spoken about how well they're doing this season. As I said, if Arsenal take it easy against Slavia Prague in either leg like they did against Olympiacos, I don't care who they're facing next, then yeah, we're in for a... We're in for a terrible shocker. And if I may touch on the Obama Young thing just Go ahead. beforehand, as you said, Obama Young has scored, what was it, 14 out of 30 games? That's yeah. one out of two games. Let's not forget that this season has been very strange because the players didn't really get a preseason. They didn't get the time to rest or heal their injuries. The summer transfers never really got a time to uh, to adjust in their team. And also Obama Young had a family emergency uh, this year as well. So... I get what you're saying, but I also understand the other side of the argument. As I said, I'm very, very interested to see what he does in the next few games. He's a very important player. Let's see what he can do. And he's the captain. So let's see. Yeah, ultimately, he is the captain and should lead uh, by example. Uh, let's go over to the live chat and see uh, what you guys are saying. Um, Marble Horse TV says, no way the Czech League is stronger than the Greek League. I'm not going to... I probably would agree that it's not stronger overall as a competition but Slavia Prague are you know very far ahead as Gostas pointed out earlier on in the show and as he also said in this competition so far yeah which is all we can go by really right because we don't watch the Czech Premier I don't watch the Czech League um I could probably hand on my heart say I've never watched a game from the Czech League um <laughs> but you know we can only judge them based on what they've done in this competition. And they have been very, very strong. There's no doubt about that. They've dumped out some teams that nobody fancied them uh, to get by. The Rangers one wasn't a major surprise to me because I think there are questions about the standard of the Scottish League. But the Leicester one in particular, a team who, again, as Costa mentioned earlier on, are way above Arsenal in the Premier League this season. I think that one came as a surprise. Uh, Xander says it's the best draw we could have received on paper. We have to play our best 11 and play at 100% every step of the way. I think what we're seeing, though, um, and I maybe rather complacently talked about this in the lead up to the second leg against Olympiagos, I spoke about the fact that Arsenal probably could change a number of players and not really uh, lower the standard of the side. What I probably neglected was the fact that some of these fringe players, i.e. your Danny Ceballos's, your Nicolas Pepe's, um, they can come in at times and do a good job, but they've also been very inconsistent throughout the course of the season. And the reason you can't trust on them, uh, trust in them or rely on them is because you don't know which one is going to turn up on the day. And yesterday, Ceballos, prime example, Pepe, another prime example, two players who have at times shown glimpses didn't perform, didn't turn up. So I think Gosta Zander has a very good point when he says the best 11 has to play and Arsenal need to be at 100% all the way. I mean, you are Arsenal. Uh, you, 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 you have to play your best. You have to show them you are the best. Other than that, uh, we spoke about the two fronts that Arsenal want to fight. They want to win the Europa League, but they also want to make sure they play in Europe next season, no matter what, either by finish 7th, 6th or 5th, which they can still do. But you're Arsenal. You're a great club. Uh, you got to prove it on the pitch. Uh, the, a great club can play both fronts, uh, not easily, but they can still do it. Absolutely play your best 11. 
because uh, as we said, Slavia Prague is the kind of team that can definitely uh, give us another shocker and maybe even make it to the final. They could, they could be another Dnipro, like they like we saw a few years exactly. ago with Sevilla. So Arsenal need to play their best. Exactly. Dnipro, the prime example of that. Uh, Steve Stone says, uh, I'm very happy with the draw. If we play to our potential, I believe we have enough uh, to progress. Alex Akundi says, predicted aggregate score, Harry. I'm not going to go as far as giving you an actual score uh, because it depends what kind of shape Arsenal go into the game in. And as I said, my my knowledge on Slavia Prague is not enough uh, for me to be able to make a an informed prediction. But what I will say is I do think Arsenal will progress. However, I think it will be a narrow victory. Um, and that's probably how I feel about that one. A- any differences in your opinion on that, Costa, or pretty much the same? I don't know if it's going to be a narrow one, but I mean, as we remember, Arsenal lost their first game in 10 matches in the Europa League against Olympiacos. So they definitely can. Uh, they can give uh, Slavia Prague some hell. They can, they can advance. I don't know how close it's going to be, but I am quite confident Arsenal will pull this through. A serious Arsenal and a focused Arsenal can pull through. Yep, agreed. Um, Let's see what else we've got here. Osman says, uh, love from Melbourne, Australia. Big shout out to everybody watching us uh, from the other side of the world, from down under. I hope you're all good. And uh, thank you for your uh, continued support of the channel. Very, very much appreciated. Uh, Wes Bird, one of our members, says, I think if we go with the right mentality and our strongest team possible, we can beat anyone left in the competition. But we're always living on our nerves with this Arsenal team. I completely agree with that. I said it last night after the game. My biggest fear in this competition is Arsenal beating themselves. And that is what makes it so frustrating when we don't go through or when we do crash out of competitions because we know. And Mikel Arteta, as Arsenal boss at times, has shown it. He can go into big games. He can pull off impressive results. But the problem is that we just have these moments within us, within certain players, where we can just completely self-destruct. And that will always be in the back of our minds. And perhaps actually as Arsenal fans, we will worry about that more than our opponents will, I think. Yeah, uh, that's what I was saying last night as well. It was very important for Olympiacos to get that first half goal, which he didn't get. Not only because Arsenal haven't conceded more than have only conceded more than two goals, only three times across all competitions, across all thirty-eight matches, uh, thirty-nine, I think now that they've uh, that they've given across all competitions, but also because there is a psycho, there is a matter of mentality at Arsenal. There is a bit of a complex that started ever since the latter years of Arsene Wenger. And I felt that like if Olympiacos got that first half goal, the complex, the complex would have taken uh, force, it would have taken shape. And uh, Arsenal would start doubting themselves. And they say, oh, it's happening again, isn't it? We're going out again, aren't we? There is a confidence that has been lost in the latter Arsene Wenger years, ever since you guys moved to the Emirates and couldn't and had to put all your money on the new stadium. You gotta find it somehow, some way. You gotta find it. maybe by winning the Europa League and getting back to the Champions League. That'd be a great first step. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go back over to the live comments. Alfie says, "What are your thoughts on Arteta if he wins the Europa League? Considering that would be his third trophy in one and a half years. I mean, from my perspective, <coughs> you know, he would have once again salvaged a really disappointing season, and ultimately." However you want to look at it, however you want to criticise him, he would have achieved Arsenal's objective for the campaign, which is to get this football club back in the UEFA Champions League. So I think that if he was to do that, whichever way he did it, um, you'd have to give him some credit. You'd have to give him some praise. 
I would refer to some comments that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer made in the last few days where he talked about uh, the fact that actually the real sign of a team's progress is probably their league position. It's probably more of an indicator than a cup run because a cup run, there can be fortune. You know, there, there are different elements to that, whereas a league campaign will more often than not give you a better picture of where you're at. The league position right now, as things stand, is not great. And we know that. But if he can at least get a trophy in the bag and I guess appease the fans for a little bit longer, that buys him time, doesn't it, Gostas, with, with those who are maybe critical of him? I am quite um, quite confused. With I'm, 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 hearing, I'm, I'm hearing two things in my head right now because I'm thinking, one, do we want a trophy? Or two, do we prefer to have a really good team even if, even if we don't win trophies? I'm thinking about Tottenham right now and I'm not trying to take a dig, but we have a team that hasn't won a trophy since... 2008, right? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it was the, the, the League Cup, the Carling Cup, I think, back in the day. And they have the chance to end this this year with the Carabao Cup final against Man City, albeit very small chances. And on the other hand, though, and, our, and Tottenham are doing quite well in the league. They, they, they can still, if they work hard, they have what it takes to make a, a late leap into the top four. But then we got Arsenal who have had a difficult uh, season. And as Alfie very uh, very correctly pointed out, we touched on it, Arteta still, like, still has the chance to win his third trophy in one and a half years at Arsenal. I'm not too sure about this, but surely that is testament to what kind of a manager Arteta is. Surely it's testament to what kind of skill set he has and what kind of potential he has. So definitely uh, stick with Arteta, especially if he wins the, um, the Europa League. Give him another chance, and I'd be very uh, interested to see what he can do in a few years. I don't know what you. What do you think? Like three trophies in one and a half seasons for this manager, or going through all those seasons without a trophy, but still playing really well, going to Champions League finals, and putting together fantastic performances. What do you prefer? I think it's it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. It's a really difficult discussion to have because we kind of became a little bit obsessed under Arsene Wenger in the latter days of, of qualifying for the Champions League. And in the eyes of many, that was more important, and certainly in the eyes of Arsene Wenger, than winning what I would class as trophies of the second category. So I'm talking about the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, the Champions League, the uh, you know the, the Premier League are, are right up there. And I'd say the two domestic cups are just on the level below. So I think we became obsessed with finishing in the top four. And you can understand why a lot of teams have taken that approach. And I'm not going to defend Tottenham here because I, I'm an Arsenal fan. It's, it's very difficult for me to do. But what I will say is they've also prioritised over the last few years, particularly under Maurizio Pochettino, finishing in the top four. Because financially, that just brings far greater reward. Um Having the Champions League status just brings far more than having the status of being FA Cup winners or Carabao Cup winners. So I think that we've almost seen a bit of a shift in the levels of importance. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, the FA Cup was winning the FA Cup was as, as big as winning the title. It was, it, you know, it was a really important thing. And I think that value has been lost in the way the European competitions have just uh, sort of taken over. And the fact that you know, back in the day, the European Cup was literally one team from each country. And now you're talking about four teams from England going into the Champions League, a couple going into the Europa League, even more than that. It's, it's just diluted it a little bit, hasn't it? And, and opened that com competition up. I think from an Arsenal perspective, I think that right now, where we are as a football club, the Champions League, getting in it is more important than 
winning one of these cups for me personally. I think because of the financial reward that that brings and the ability that that then gives Arsenal to go on and increase uh, the quality in the squad, bring players in, I just think that that is is a priority for the longer term future of the club. But winning trophies is 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 ultimately what we play football for, and winning trophies goes a hell of a long way in in pleasing supporters. As a fan, for me, do I feel the financial benefit of Arsenal qualifying for Europe? No, I don't. Does it make a difference to me? I get to see better players, so there's an indirect impact uh, on my team. But I don't get to go to Wembley and have a day out with all my friends and celebrate a, a trophy win. So from a fan's perspective, I always understand why the need for trophies feels greater. But I think from a club's perspective, it, they look at it differently. And I think that's why there's a massive disconnect nowadays with between club owners and club supporters, because they want very different things. So I think Tottenham probably were right to to prioritise the Champions League qualification. But there comes a point where you then have to go and win a trophy. You have to break that trophy drought. And they're at that point, And that's why they hired Jose Mourinho. And I don't think that that's going to work out, which I'm obviously very pleased about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Jose Mourinho's Tottenham played really well against Man City in the league. Um, Jose Mourinho knows Pep Guardiola really well from their time in Spain together. I don't know. Could happen. I'm definitely not ruling it out. Definitely not ruling it out. Stranger things have happened, I suppose. <laughs> 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 right, uh, we're, we're going to wrap it up there. But before we go, I want you guys to let me know in the live chat where it is that you are joining us from. And that way uh, we can give you a shout out between now and the end of the show. A couple of quick reminders from me. This show is sponsored by Manscaped. So if you're interested in any of their products, if you want to head over to the website and take a look at what it is they have to offer, we can give you 20% off if you enter the discount code 90 min 20 that's 90 min 20% off as well as free shipping on your order if you're interested in becoming a member of the chronicles of aguna channel click on the link in the description check out the tiers available and we'd love to have you on board if you haven't already make sure you smash the like button and more importantly than all of that make sure you go over to twitter and give gostas a follow you can see his uh Twitter handle on the screen is at Lianos Costas. Uh, so make sure you give him a follow and get involved. Uh, let's go over to the live chat and see where it is that you are all watching us from live right now. Uh, we have got Nishith in India. We've got Patrick in Sweden. Uh, Keenan is in Singapore. Uh, Marble Halls TV is in Hertfordshire. Uh, Steve is in sunny Kent. Sunny here as well today, which is quite nice. Is it? It's quite yeah. nice. Oh, it is. The sun is back up, but we do have a few clouds today. Yes, in Greece. <laughs> You're in Greece, Costa. You cannot complain about uh, about your weather in comparison never, to here. Ever. Never, 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 never. Ever. <laughs> uh, Dave Atkinson is in the Costa del Holi. Love that. Uh, Enioguru Christopher is watching us from Italy. Stefan is in Devon. Uh, Nirajan is in Kathmandu. Said is in Kuwait. Um what else have we got here? Well, loads coming through. I've, my chat's just updated. I hate when it just jumps like that. Uh, we've got the USA. We've got Sebastian Santos joining us from Portugal. We've got South uh, Africa. Um, we've got Nigeria. And he also, and Bassi also says, great analysis. Your objectivity is civil. Uh, thank you, mate. Uh, Cable's in Avenel Road. Uh, Bingy's in the Caribbean, Grenada, uh, to be specific. We've got Boston, Milton Keynes, Canada. Uh, Oslo, India, Nepal, um, 
Abuja. I'm not sure where that is, but Nigeria, that's my that's Nigeria. It's, in Nigeria. Nigeria. it's my uh, terrible geography. Um, what else have we got here? Jamaica. We've got Germany, Sydney, Canada, uh, Melbourne. Um, is that the Netherlands? Yes, that's yeah. It looks like it. Looks like I think it, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got Uganda, Poland, uh, Jamaica again, Bucharest, Romania, Unity State, uh, South Africa again, um, San Jose, California, and Texas. Wow, brilliant! Worldwide audience. So thank you all, all around so the world. Exactly, exactly, all around the world. Um, don't forget, smash the like button on your way out. We'll be back very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.